Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 139. No warning, let's go! My name is Josh Canal. To my left, a longtime friend of Box Cutters. Thank you. A recent Triple R announcer, <laughs> Nerida Haycock. Hello. Good hello. Good hello. Good hello to you too. <laughs> it's great to have you here. It really is. To my right, as always, the button pusher, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Uh, television. We, we took a break. We took a break last week. You uh, did. We did. We took a break. We had a week off. It was late notice. Apologies to uh, everyone who was busily trying to download and couldn't find the episode. Uh, I caught a few comments on Twitter about it, oh, and uh, really? yeah, a few comments on Twitter saying, uh, "Where's the uh, Where's the episode? I don't know where the episode is." And there wasn't one. It's here. It's now. You can get it. Yeah, one thirty nine. It's just a week late. That's all. That's all. Big, big episode of Box Cutters this week. We've got James Talia calling in from London, uh, being the first Monday of the month. Can't he's, wait to talk to him. He's calling in Channel 9 news reporter and our un-Australian correspondent. I'm fired up. I'm angry. You're angry? <laughs> I'm angry. You're angry? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll have... Call themselves a news service. A last, <laughs> a last question for him, as always, Brett. It's, uh, it's, uh, that's... Going to be exciting. We've also got our continuation with uh, our f- early new series of talking about children's and young people's television. Uh, this week, we're doing Press Gang. Yay! It's it's a great show. It's, I can't wait to talk about it. It's Love fun. It. And Love we've it. never... I, I was going to do this as a... I was going to do Press Gang as a Things You May Have Missed quite a while ago, and then we just uh, kept... Kind of running out of time and kept missing uh, it. Kept missing it. Kept yeah. missing that that particular segment. And we will bring that segment back as well. If you've got uh, any suggestions for things you may have missed, uh, let us know. Hooray at boxcutters.net is the email address to send information to us. Or you can go on the boxcutters.net blog and click on the contact us link. That'll take you to a page where you can write a message and uh, and send that off to us. Put a comment on a post. Yeah, you do, do whatever you want. Uh, and also, thanks very much to everybody who's been writing in with their lists of children's television shows. We've received quite a few responses and uh, some of the lists are, are quite exhaustive. So, I'm having a, a fun time going through going, oh yeah, I know that one. I know that one. I know that one. Ooh, I'll have to find out about that one. So, uh, it's it's going to be a, a great long series uh, with uh, with many more to come. But press gang today, the return of the box cutters quiz this week. With uh, I think it's I think it's a difficult question, but uh, you know we'll wait to see what the uh, what, what the listeners say. That's uh, that's all I'm saying. Finishing it off with pork, but as always, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. In tragic news for Channel 7, Shane Bourne has said, Sorry, fellas, I'm too busy to do star dances. Too busy to do star dances? Too busy. Is he, he said, looking after Ross's baby or something? <laughs> I, I think so. He said, If I wasn't so busy, I would definitely be considering it. But I had, but at this time, I had to pass. I think you've got to be careful 
you don't get a bit greedy because you can overextend. Well, that's true. And he is he is doing uh, city homicide in the city at the moment. <laughs> homicide uh, in the city. <laughs> homicide in the city tonight. <laughs> and that's uh, hopefully the last time we'll hear Brett Crawley sing. Oh, come on, you so, so no uh, no thrill seekers on uh, on Star Dancers. So Star Dancers without a host, and uh, and we're coming up to the time when they should be starting their second series. What's going on? Because you know they've done two series a, a year uh, up until this last series with with Daryl Summers. So you know they usually start a new one around about August time. So I don't, I don't so no know. word on anybody else. Uh, I don't know, Brad. Nothing That's... from Chung. Actually, Chung, uh, Chung Lim should be joining us in a few weeks. Oh, fantastic. Um, but they tell him nothing, so he's not going to have anything to tell us. Uh, he can he can talk all, all about... Although uh, I guess if, if Shane Bourne's coming out and saying, no, I've told him I'm not doing it, we, it should be pretty imminent uh, that they'll have to find somebody. Well, yeah. Who, who are they going to get, though? Who could it be? Jimmy Hammond? <laughs> could they bring Jimmy Hammond back to do it? Um, sure. I, I think... Uh, he'd, he'd still have those big teeth. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, Box Cutters listeners might not know who J- Jimmy, Hammond, uh, Jimmy Hammond is. He, well, he, he was a, a 1970s uh, Australian television host. And then he sold timeshare at Yarrawonga. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> of course, the popular uh, pick would be Sonia Kruger, but uh, I don't think Channel 7 have got She's the guts to go it, there. Yeah, that's right. She's not... No, She's a so lot of people that great. I speak to. Yeah, say, she'd be great, exactly but, but they she, won't. She is so entertaining. I can't remember what it was that, that I saw her in recently, or I just went... In that ad. No, it wasn't in an ad. No, no. she's been doing that ad. Uh, where I've just gone, oh, you're actually really funny. Really funny and really good. Yes, she should have the hosting role. And then, uh, you know, give, uh, I don't know, some some young boy the, the job of, uh, of being backstage. Swap those roles around. That would uh, that would make sense, and then use that backstage role. Get an openly gay man to, to, to <laughs> yes. dances. Oh my are god! You, oh, I can't believe you're calling Sonia Kruger a closeted gay man. <laughs> what are you doing? The uh, the uh, and they should use that backroom uh, discussion as a, a chance to nurture new talent, uh, which is what they did with uh, with, with Sonia Kruger, and then she comes through, takes the helm. Hosts with a plum, and uh, and someone else learns all the ropes. I think that that makes perfect sense. Channel Seven put us in charge. That's clearly that's the answer. Narrative, you, you've you've heard quite a lot of the show. Wouldn't you say that uh, that the advice that comes to networks from this show is invaluable? I think box cutters should be running every single network in Australia. Well, that's conflict of interest. We can't do that. <laughs> no, I, One at a time. One at a time. I didn't think to mention it last uh, time we were in the studio, but Channel 10 obviously have been listening, uh, which was the reasoning behind taking the credits off the screen and putting them on their website. Uh, yes, which is... Oh. I, I don't think that's really what I wanted, though. Brett, well, I, I know it's, it, it was your it was your suggestion. It was my suggestion, as you may as well, if you're going to put it into a quarter of a screen and and speed it up three times the speed that it goes through. But but what but what you really meant was it's so useless 
to the viewers to, to have it in that format, you may as well just not have it on the screen at all and, and have it in. Why not yep. just print it once a week in an ad in the newspaper? You know, it's, it's, it's that, that kind of thing that you were getting at. Uh, and they've taken that seriously rather than say, I don't know, spending the 30 seconds to actually just show the people who made the show you've just watched. Yep. Channel 10 have no sense of irony. No, none, none whatsoever. What they do have, though, is a sense of the buck, as do other Australian television networks who have all signed deals with uh, Australia's Apple iTunes store to sell their TV shows through the iTunes store for $2.99 a pop. Now, in this, uh, in this day and age of no one-cent coins... In uh, in Australia, I'm wondering how people are paying two dollars ninety nine cents. If you buy five of them, actually, you can charge <laughs> if it's on a credit card. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone's nobody, paying cash. Nobody's going, no one's going up to the Apple Apple Store. Although and, there is one in Sydney now. Well, so yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't get why there's still the the. Is there really a mindset against that extra cent? Yes, apparently it, it's very uh, psychologically effective. Yeah, it it really is. People see the the two next to the dollar sign and think, well, it's just a little over two bucks. <laughs> they don't think it's it's you know what it is. It's the same as the ninety five percent fat free <laughs> scenario. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. well, ninety five percent of it isn't fat, <laughs> and right. no added sugar. Yes, added after how much? <laughs> and no added sugar after the ninth of January. <laughs> That's uh, nothing added, yes. Uh, so $2.99 a pop. I, I say good and bad uh, about this. One, uh, good that there is a legitimate way for Australian viewers to download television content and pay for it. I think that's a good thing. I think if, uh, if Australian shows are being made that uh, need to be watched, I think if, if Underbelly... Uh, would have been available on the iTunes Music Store. Oh, yes, it would have uh, it would have done very well. People would have downloaded it quite nicely. Uh, I wonder how they'd police that. Oh, they couldn't. They the, couldn't, and I think it was. Well, I, think I think Underbelly I think was for that specific- reason they wouldn't be allowed to have it in there. I think store. Underbelly was specifically mentioned as one program that wasn't going to be on iTunes for that very reason, which is ridiculous because everyone in Victoria has seen it. There, there are. There are children in birthing stations <laughs> around Australia who, as soon as they're, they're taken out of their mother's arms and put into a cot, are given episodes of Underbelly to watch, just that they're up to scratch with everyone else. Oh, I've, I've just got visions of a whole cinema full of little tiny babies with those clockwork, <laughs> clockwork orange uh, eyelid separators in. <laughs> Yes, that's the state of Victoria we live in. It's a nightmare state. Uh, so uh, some of the shows that uh, they're showing, Channel 9, uh, have got old episodes of McLeod's Daughters on there. 66 bucks for a series of McLeod's Daughters. Yeah, which is... Mm. Uh, firstly, why would you put an old series up there? I mean, if people just want to see one episode, fine. But why not release it on DVD if people are collecting it, if people want to watch it? then surely that's the sort of thing they're going to buy on DVD. DVD's old media, Josh. Uh, Get with the program. But there's also uh, Navy Seaboat is also uh, up on the iTunes Music Store. They've got it under the title of Sea Patrol. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how people are going to find it. 
they're going to be typing in Navy Seaboat and it's not going to come up. But uh, th- that's that's available. There are also some US shows available. Lost, Grey's Anatomy, The Hills. Uh, why you'd have The Hills there? Why you'd spend three bucks on The Hills? I have no idea. But is, again, is Dexter going up? Is John Tim putting that up? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, I, I, and I don't know what the uh, ratings scenario would be for purchasing things on the iTunes Music Store either. Uh, I don't know if, if they don't count video watching, then they're not going to count downloads. Right. Well, there you go then. However, however, there is a precedent because album or single charts also incorporate uh, downloads. Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about now. Oh, you MP3 mean, downloads are, are counted towards, are counted the, towards the singles. But you're talking, the single you're talking more about rate, like the rating of the it's program. Right, yeah, yeah, the cla- it, classification. classification yeah. I'm talking about classification. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, I thought yeah, you were talking not, about ratings. No, 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 yeah. no. Not ratings. Uh, ratings. No, not ratings. <laughs> classification. <laughs> I, I'm wondering how that would work, if, if you could have something as uh, as violent and... Can you get an iTunes iStore account without being over 18? Uh, no, you can't. There you go. Because you need to have sort a credit of. card before you can get a, an iTunes store account. But you could have a credit card off your parents' account. Sure, but then they're responsible for it and they're responsible for all purchases on it. True. Well, yes. So, so basically, it'd be in, open in a, slather. It'd be open in the same slather. way. In, a, in the same way that an, a, a sixteen-year-old can get their mum to buy them. Uh, Wild at Heart on DVD. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's the first R-rated film that came to mind. <laughs> uh, nine and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, you know, it's the, it's the same principle, I, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's the... Uh, and, and with any purchase like that, it is the uh, credit card owner's responsibility for what gets purchased there. But at long last, we have the opportunity. It just, to me, seems like we still don't have the content is mm. you know who's who's going to pay 3 bucks for navy seaboat when they don't watch it already true they're already not spending time watching it on television i figure they'll do enough to cover the the small cost that it takes to to transfer the digital files across the the store because they've gone itunes australia are they planning to extend it to iTunes internationally, what? perhaps. Oh, these these episodes will they show them uh, will they, on will iTunes be, in, I, in other iTunes, yeah. other nations? Uh, I don't know. Well, that that's not the way it's worked in the in the states with their iTunes Music Store. It's uh, the networks only in the states have uh, American shows, and I think each iTunes Store is uh, tied to the networks of that country. Because otherwise we'd be getting we, we'd be able to get all of the American uh, shows before they air here through the iTunes Music Store, and then the iTunes Music Store would make a bucket load, mm. but the Australian networks would get nothing. I'm just thinking as the poorer cousin trying to get their product out there, maybe that might oh, be part might, of the thinking. Like they might try that, but mm. uh, when was the last time you saw an Australian network do something innovative, Narada? Good point. Right, and also uh, if if they're selling shows from the US being sold by Australian networks, then it probably goes with uh, territory sales on selling hmm. the series to other networks around the world. Um, yep. that that would also sign those rights over, so they probably don't have the rights to be able to sell it outside of Australia. Hmm. It's it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether it uh, succeeds in hmm. Australia. I, I still don't have 
haven't heard any figures about how the music is selling in, in Australia either. I think we're just so used to pirating things. We're such a nation of criminals. And good on us! <laughs> Brett, get me out it's of this cultural hole. history. Talking about digital uh, media, Seven's version of the TiVo, uh, as we reported previously, is to be uh, released on the 29th. Oh, not July, not, not middle, mid July, not, not early, early July, <laughs> not iPhone day. <laughs> no. The 29th of July. 29th of July from Harvey Norman for, for three a, months for an unspecified three months. <laughs> what? No, no, a very specific three months. No, no, no. Remember, remember, a fortnight ago we were saying it's an unspecified three months. Okay, well, it'll cost you six hundred ninety-nine dollars. What? What? But. Uh, it's going to be somewhat crippled. Not only can't you fast forward the ads or skip the ads, which is uh, part of the the beauty of it in other countries, but uh, Channel 7 are also disabling key functions like home networking features uh, that allow you to transfer music photos and video from PC to the TV box to watch it on your TV, Um, and uh, the ability to load recorded shows to a portable device like an iPod. Oh, get Channel 7. (laughs) However, it will be available eventually early next year for a fee in the, and I'm quoting here, (laughs) Tens of dollars. Tens. Tens of dollars. Tens of dollars. Wow. Um, according to Seven's TiVo general manager Mark Hughes, tens of dollars a month. Yeah, is tens that of be dollars a, a week. Mm. Tens of dollars total. No, that'll be a firmware upgrade. Ah, oh, a firmware upgrade will be available for tens, tens of dollars. Of dollars. Yep. Maybe right. a couple of thousand tens of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Six hundred and ninety nine bucks. That's outrageous. That is completely outrageous. And you say that you can't skip the ads, are you able to at least fast can, forward you them? You can fast forward them like you can with IQ. At so four th- times speed. It's excellent. Four times. No, I think sixteen. Sixteen. <laughs> well even I what can even you do IQ, IQ is thirty two. Thirty. You can get thirty. Uh there's uh two, six, twelve and thirty. Yep. Which is I, I don't know what mathematician came up with <laughs> those ratios, but uh, yes, two, six, twelve, um, and thirty. Other features that uh, the internet connection would give you are also disabled, such as movie and music download stores, and the ability to access internet video clips like YouTube clips. Um, they'll also be absent at the launch. It's according to Hughes, the uh, TiVo marketing manager, really reduces at launch from the consumer's perspective the complexity of the device. Oh, uh, you know what? We're just a bit. Dumb, aren't we? He, oh. it, well, when this was questioned, he also conceded that part of the reason was so that Seven could earn extra revenue from TiVo. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. Firstly, Channel Seven are not going to change their uh, their programming practices to actually start shows on time. I'm fairly sure of that. So the idea of having TiVo to watch shows on Channel Seven and potentially other networks. Uh, is already diminished because you're going to miss out the the start or the end of of your favourite show. Uh, the so, so that's that's one thing. The other thing is without any of the functionality that you actually get with TiVo, why not just have a VCR with G coding? Yep, that's it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, 
It's exactly the same thing. Not ridiculous. You're going to charge me 700 bucks for the same technology, essentially, that I had 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. No way. Really? Get, get real, Channel 7. I mean, honestly. Now, the competition uh, with Fox's IQ2, Foxtel's IQ2, um, was brought up, and James Warburton, the director of sales for Channel 7, uh, said that 70% of Australians have turned their back on Foxtel by voting with their eyeballs to watch and choose to only watch free-to-air television. Of the 30% that have adopted Foxtel, they spend more than half their time viewing free-to-air channels. Now, I'm not sure where he's getting these figures from, but um, uh, that's half of... That's only 15% that are watching uh, non-free-to-air stuff. Yeah, and... Uh, well, the thing is that the... Uh, the networks still have the the money to put into the the content more more than Foxtel have. I mean, Foxtel have a lot of things that we've seen already on free to wear as as first run. Uh, the uh, the other thing though is if I've got Foxtel, but all my mates don't have Foxtel, and they're going to be talking about uh, How I Met Your Mother, then I'm also going to watch How I Met Your Mother. Really? Uh, in <laughs> I don't mind it. I like to I like to keep up with my mates. Fair enough. Who are all How I Met Your Mother watches. <laughs> all of them. It's, you know what? I actually watched a, an episode of How I Met Your Mother a, a few weeks ago and laughed out loud. So uh, I was, uh, I was, I've been told that it's not as bad as the first few episodes that I saw uh, and did actually laugh out loud. So already it's a lot better than Cavemen. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind it at all. I <laughs> no, watch it weekly. Good comparison. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a lot better than eating a shit sandwich. Uh, Brett, have you uh, have you got anything else pressing in the news? Because uh, Kate Ritchie's tipped to uh, be the star of the Young Doctors, uh, which is the remake of the nineteen seventies uh, hospital drama. It's good because we haven't seen enough of her on television. No, no. Um, an official keep away. An official approach is yet to be made, uh, but both Fremantle, the production company, and Channel 9 are eager to scoop her up while she's uh, free of any uh, contractual commitments to anyone else. See, it's Channel think, 7, who I she's been with for 20 years or whatever. Contractual commitments. She made a, co- a contract with the people of Australia <laughs> that she would get a gold Logie if we never saw her on television again. <laughs> that was my understanding. Really? That was my... And so she got one. And then, and now what? Now, young doctors. Well, she, she, got two, she said after yeah. she won her Logie that everyone's saying won't it be ni- won't it be a nice way to end your career in television. She said, "Hang on, when did I say I wanted my TV career to end?" Uh, probably around the same time that you decided to be third banana at American Rosso. That's I don't know. <laughs> Just putting it out there, uh, I've got uh, just a, a couple of uh, quick items. We we talked about a year ago about there being a, a movie remake of The Prisoner and a television remake of The Prisoner. Well, AMC, who uh, is the US... The bowling cap- No, the US Bowling Network. <laughs> oh, see? <laughs> see what you've done? The US Cable Network uh, that gave us Mad Men, uh, together with the UK network ITV, uh, are getting together to make a six-part series of The Prisoner with Ian McKellen and James Caviezel? Caviel? Caviezel? Caviezel? Brother of Johnny Cheezel. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> you, you might know him better as Jesus. Uh, so he's going to be playing number six, and Ian McKellen is going to be playing number two. Uh, and 
that's uh, in the works at the moment. And also, Shannon Doherty may sign to 90210. According to uh, inside sources, and this was uh, reported by EW.com's Michael Oziello, uh, Shannon Doherty is in, Jenny Garth is in, Tory Spelling won't be in the first few episodes. But she's still signed to the show. She is still signed to the show. I don't she, even. She, I don't see how not being in the first few episodes is is necessarily news. However, she she did get signed on to look after Ross's baby uh, from the <laughs> from the ninth of June. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, she'll be her appearance has been pushed to a later date. Okay. Mm. And that. I was I was going to discuss uh, Shannon Doherty, Jenny Garth, the history of not getting on. Apparently uh, they've grown up somewhat now. Shannon Doherty not getting on with anybody on that show. Shannon Doherty hasn't gotten along with anybody for a very long time. Mm. A very long time. And that bit of gossip <laughs> is the Boxcutters news. Bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue à Boxcutters. Good morning everybody and welcome to Boxcutters. This is Toby Sullivan uh, displaying his bilingual prowess on the best TV podcast that uh, I've ever encountered. And one of the people who makes it the best TV podcast that Toby Sullivan has ever encountered is James Talia, our un-Australian correspondent, calling all the way from London town in the UK. How are you, James? I'm well. You're, you're too kind. You're too kind. I, I, I feel I would be fulfilling my duties better if I were bilingual, but sadly not. I couldn't understand a word Toby was saying. Well, all that time that you've, uh, that, that you've spent in Denmark, surely, surely you've, you've learnt, learnt a little bit of the... Uh, of the Danish. Ooh, Danish. Danish is beyond me, and so is Dutch. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in France, as I think we noted last time, and I think I got as far as bonjour and uh, un café, s'il vous plaît, which is really all I need, ever. Uh, and, and, and what about... Uh, do you know how to... Because I'm guessing that as a European correspondent uh, and having to go into some countries that are not as, uh, let's say progressive as uh, as our country or in some in some ways more progressive when it comes to bribing have you ever had to learn how to bribe in different languages i would never no 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 I, I, but you know as as journalists throughout time have needed to get information have they needed to uh, to to I'm, I'm told. I'm, I'm told the appropriate way of doing these things is uh, say, "Is there any way that we can make this happen?" Or, right. Or <laughs> is, is there any way we can fix this now without having to go back to the police station? Stuff like that. So that's a lot like me at JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> exactly, except they won't take an extra hungy to give you the machine that actually plays the stuff you want to play. <laughs> no, they won't. No, they won't. No. I wish I wish they did. Now, it, things in, in the UK at the moment, uh, as far as television goes, the BBC is in this huge fight with other networks and certain politicians. The BBC has been claiming licence fees uh, for... However, basically, the 500 years that television's been around in England, uh, they, they've been <laughs> cl- claiming a, a fee. People have to pay to own a television. There's an annual fee. And, uh, and then the BBC gets that money, and that's what helps them make such great product that we love to buy from them cheaply. 
That's, that's right, exactly. That's how it is that those three little initials, BBC, are spread all over the world at the uh, on the end credits of all sorts of shows, good and bad, for decades now. Um, the licence fee uh, uh, is, is, is a fee you have to pay to have a television in your house. I think we've noted before that... Um, you don't necessarily have to have it hooked up or be watching it or be doing anything else with it. Uh, and, and one of the scams is that still there's a discount on the licence fee if you have a black and white TV. And some people simply have a black and white TV in the cupboard uh, so that they can, claim, <laughs> they can claim they have a black and white telly and pay the lesser licence fee. That's kind of how, how silly this can be. But yes, you need uh, you, you have to pay an annual annual fee to, to to watch telly, and all of that money goes to the BBC, which uh, is the equivalent of the money that the Australian federal government gives to the ABC. Uh, it's just that in this case, there's a middleman, the viewer. Now, when you say equivalent, is that per capita, or is that like oh, if no, you translate I don't the currency mean in dollar terms or, or pound terms? I mean, in terms of the funding of a public broadcaster. So, so it is it is a viewer pays system rather than a taxpayer yeah. pays system. But do they get a oh, lot right. a lot more funding because they've got a much bigger population over there? Uh, yeah, they do. My understanding is it's somewhere in the vicinity of two and a half billion pounds a year, um, which is a lot more than the ABC gets. That, but then that is a lot more a lot than eight people. cents a day. But they do also yes. do all of the the local programming for the different countries like Wales and Scotland and Ireland, they do. Northern they do. Ireland. Fact, even even the regions in within England have um, mm. separate newsrooms, for example, and they do all sorts of local programming. So uh, it's it's even it's even larger than just four distinct operations for the four home countries, as they're known. Um, it, it breaks down into several more than that. And then you take into account radio networks, online, um, four TV networks, and it's, it's a pretty hefty outlay. Well, the, the thing is, though, that uh, radio, no doubt, would have been uh, publicly funded before that, because unless there were radio licences as well, and there are still radio licences... Well, there may well have been radio licences. That's a good question, actually. I don't know. Um, either way, it would have been publicly funded. Either way, what, what we do know for sure is that there's never been advertising. That's, it, that's never provided the funding. And and now uh, the the other networks, uh, Ch- Channel 4, Channel 5, uh, and also B-Sky B, are calling for uh, the BBC to share its licence fee. Uh, yeah, this is something that comes up every now and then and, and, and the fight is on again right now. Every few years, the BBC has to um, apply for uh, the maintenance of its licence fee. They have to lobby the government and generally they ask for an increase, of course, if only to cover inflation. And uh, I, I think we're in that period again and sometimes it's the case that the other networks stand up and say, well, hang on a second, why do they get all this money? and why can't we have some? Um, B-Sky B, there's a a, a constant um, battle between B-Sky B and the BBC because in standard fashion, uh, Rupert Murdoch says that the BBC is this great, hulking, bureaucratic organisation. They they don't know how to run efficiently. It's because uh, the government allows them to be that way by just letting them have all this money and that they should be brought into the real world and have to operate uh, in, in a more efficient way. 
that's a pretty standard political argument from um, the Murdoch organisation. <laughs> it's no surprise there. I think it's unlikely the government's going to give any of the BBC's licence fee to Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's that is that it is as outlandish as uh, Channel Nine saying to the government here that uh, they should be getting taxpayer funding. And I mean, surely it's it's just Murdoch wanting the BBC not to have as much funding so that it weakens his competition. Well, yeah, it, it, it's, that's certainly what it looks like on the surface, and, and I think the analogy is correct. You can't imagine um, the Australian government carving off $100 million bucks from what it currently gives to the ABC and distributing it among 7, 9 and 10. Yeah. I don't think that, that would ever happen. This is, this is really roughly the equivalent. It's what Murdoch and others are demanding. And the BBC has already been struggling with, uh, with with that money that they get. Uh, we've talked before about uh, them trying to get their journalists, and, and uh, basically a, a whole lot of a whole lot of sackings have gone on, and they're going to get their journalists to, to do uh, online radio and television broadcasts. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, at the same time, now uh, they're looking at doing a lot more co-productions, particularly with the US, where there is a, a lot more money, so they can kind of bring their quality to uh, to US money. That's a, another article out of uh, this week's Variety. Yeah, which is one way of trying to stave off the argument, I guess, that, that they should lose some of their funding. Um, but they are also increasingly getting funding from um, not only international co-productions, but uh, the sale of merchandise as well. And I know this is something the ABC is doing more and more too. The, the kind of money that they get back from books, um, DVDs, all that sort of stuff actually adds a fair bit to the bottom line too. Um, and co-productions, I, I think you could potentially put in that category of just another revenue stream. Well, yeah, yes, and uh, also let's not forget BBC World, which is sold to cable networks around the world. Uh, BBC World is a little different, though, because um, the BBC itself doesn't fund it, or substantially doesn't. Um, it's paid for by the Foreign Office. Oh, oh really? Oh. Which is something that uh, most people don't know uh, about in Australia as well. The ABC's Asia-Pacific service is paid for by DFAT. So it's propaganda. So, so it's seen as uh, diplomatic propaganda, essentially. Mm. Yeah. See, it's seen as providing an Australian voice. <laughs> but but it's but it's a, a diplomatic exercise. So it, it it's viewed by the government as a diplomatic exercise. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's always been the way. If you, if you look at, I mean, the, the BBC World Service on radio um, has been one of the staples of international broadcasting for for decades. Um, one of those kind of um, standout outlets where uh, people who are in markets perhaps where they don't get um, fair and accurate reporting of news. It's, it's one avenue for them to get it. Same with Voice of America in the states and a couple of others around the place. I guess. Uh, a government like Australia feels that we need to hop in on that and have have a service of our own. So that's what they do. Well, and the the uh, ABC Asia service is uh, is, is a, a pretty good service. Uh, I don't think it's as uh, as well resourced as the the BBC's World Service. Uh, no, not at all, not at all. And you also have to wonder just who's watching it. Well, yeah, I, you know, my guess is that there's uh, a, a few expats in PNG. 
who are, are checking it out, and that's uh, that's pretty much it. I think that's probably right. In fact, I, from talking to friends of mine who have been living in Asia at various points, uh, I think probably the the highest rating or most watched stuff on the uh, ABC's Asia Pacific service is the footy. <laughs> Right, so, so do they broadcast the AFL on uh, Asia Pacific, or, or is it just the VFL A- games that they're showing? No, AFL and NRL. Right. Yeah, just for that touch of home. Right, well, that's a, that, that's a reason to move to Asia and not get Foxtel. <laughs> there you go, you can probably get every game for free, Josh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and speaking of Foxtel, uh, Foxtel and the BBC have signed a, a deal to have four BBC channels uh redistributed through the the Foxtel cable network. Uh that was uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. It's very interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah. really it's 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 another way of um for the for the beeb to make money. I, when I saw that story I was amazed to see the number of people um the, the beeb has working in Australia. It's something like 28 people in the, in an Australian office. Really? How many has Channel 9 yeah. got in in the UK? In the UK? Yeah. We're talking to <laughs> About one. Right, right. <laughs> the uh, the uh, London Bureau of Channel 9 is currently closed. I've just put the sign out front. Back <laughs> now, speaking of uh, speaking of your network, Channel 9, and, uh, and things happening there, th- they recently uh, took the sale of the Willoughby and Richmond studios off the market. Uh, they're, mm. they're not going to be selling those. Uh, well, the old piano factory, which uh, which we know and love, Richmond. and uh, and Sydney. I, I don't really care what they have there. Uh, but something with a tower, that they couldn't take down. With what they've got. Uh, the uh, the uh, so so they're a little bit strapped for cash at the moment. They couldn't get the money that they wanted, and uh, so they've taken them off the market. And uh, I'm guessing till a, a later stage when they can get the money that they're after for for those properties. Uh, but we've seen we, we've already seen the the results of Channel Nine being strapped for cash because they seem to have gotten rid of the desk and chairs from the <laughs> Nine newsroom for weekends. <laughs> that is some cost cut. That's really it's, like, <laughs> times are tough. <laughs> I, um, I'm amazed I they could uh, they, they can still afford presenters. <laughs> only just, only just. <laughs> and yeah, uh, go on, Josh. They're, they're now, they're now, of course, going to going to have to pay all the um, all the physio bills for those presenters because they have to stand up for half an hour without a chair. It's really kind of rough. Well, James, the only other news service that I can think of that does their news standing up is Naked News. <laughs> is 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 this perhaps uh, the first step towards going down that path? Um, there are so many lines. Touching <laughs> any of them. <laughs> that is so we, wrong. <laughs> we, we should explain. We should explain. This has just happened this past weekend, and in Melbourne only. But the Melbourne newsroom has taken the decision that on weekends they're going to have presenters presenters uh, standing up. Um, and I didn't know anything about this. It was only drawn to my attention a few hours ago. So it's now Monday morning, London time, and, and I was only told about it last night, Sunday night. And um, and immediately uh, got online where the man, David Knox... Oh, bless him. ...tonight had uh, all the good oil on what was going on there with screen caps. I, I must say, the um, having a look at the caps 
it looks much better than I thought it was going to when I first heard about it. Um, I, I think it actually it, it looks a lot better than, than it could have. Um, I'm not quite sure what the thinking behind it is. Obviously, it's something different. Maybe it look, makes it look a bit more energetic, a bit more pacey. I don't know. Um, well, it's like a school it's mom next to us, the, to, next to the blackboard. That's 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 kind of kind of what it, it feels like to me. But also, uh, having spent some time in the states and watching the Fox networks in the states in various cities, their newsrooms. So this is the free to air Fox newsrooms. Uh, they stand up next to screens, and it's meant to be more. Uh, more active, it, it, like they're like they're there on the scene, like they're ready to pounce, waiting to uh, waiting just just waiting to tell you this this news. And they have camera work in studio camera work that reflects that as well. And I'm I'm wondering if if Nine are just playing around with this format, waiting to to go there because they will have say two news presenters, one doing. Uh, Regular, uh, this happened and this happened and this happened, uh, but also you know standing there looking ready to attack, and then the, the camera will do a a, a whip pan to, uh, to to another presenter who's who's there with an introduction to a special report. Right, either that or the camera is just sort of cutting laps of the presenter. You, you feel as though it's just going sort of three hundred and sixty degrees. The presenter's walking around with it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect to see that on GTV's news. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. It happens a lot in the States. It happens a little bit here, too. Um, uh, they stand up a little on the beam sometimes, but particularly um, Beast Guys news. They stand up all the time. But the other thing is, that it's kind of as you suggested, um, they've got a big video wall, um, Sky UK. Yep. UK, where you can have sort of explainer material and the presenter might walk around in front of it and point at stuff and this is how this works and this is what goes on here and that sort of thing. Obviously, we haven't gone that far in Melbourne yet, but there is potential for that if you've got someone standing up. Yeah, and then, uh, and then you know, we're just moments away from having terrible uh, graphics where, where they go, well, we've got this bit of news, but we don't have a graphic to go with it, whereas they used to just have a description. Now they're now right. they're going to need uh, a graphic that they can point at on the screen. They're going to need something. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, I noticed over the weekend that even though they were standing up, they were still using, um, as has always been the case, just sort of keys behind the presenters um, without any without any movement. Um, so I'm not quite sure uh, how much more is planned, but it's an interesting experiment. I I, I actually I. Not to talk out of term, but I, I received a, an email this morning which went out newsroom-wide in Melbourne where the boss described it as uh, evolution, not revolution. All right. And is uh, very keen to hear uh, feedback from all and sundry staff on, uh, on, on what everyone thinks. No explanation there of what the thinking behind it was, so I'm, I'm merely speculating in anything I'm saying. Well, yeah, and you mentioned uh, chroma keys behind the, the presenters. Other networks have gone with uh, plasma and LCD televisions behind uh, behind their networks. Do you think that's a, a, a bonus for for the newsroom, or, or do you think that's uh, that's maybe moving uh, again away from uh, from the traditional way of telling a story and looking at a more sensational way of telling a story? No, I actually think that's a look that's come and gone. I think that lasted for about two minutes, having the plasma behind a presenter. I, I think it always looked kind of poxy, and then everyone jumped on that bandwagon and, and 
uh, and it got it started to look tired really quickly, especially because most of the time it was just a plasma with a, a graphic on it, which would have been the key graphic if the plasma mm. wasn't there anyway. They didn't really do anything different. It just it was on a plasma screen. Yep. Um, so I, I, I don't quite see the benefit of that. Um, some newsrooms obviously have gone to live shots as a background. Uh, we did that in Sydney, but then still with key graphics. Um, here, the BBC has um, on their main bulletins uh, like a big sort of video wall behind the presenter where they might, for example, show some of the pictures relating to the story maybe a slow-mo of a person walking down the street, the person the story's about, or something like that. So it's different from key graphics, and it's not quite, here's a shot on a plasma, um, and it's not a live shot either. So there's plenty of different ways you can go. I, I would have thought it's always been the tradition in, in Australian newsrooms, especially at nine, to not, not, I mean, above all else, the imperative is don't rock the boat too hard, um, don't change things too much too quickly. James, I don't know how much time you've got, but that's just reminded me of, uh, of something else I saw tonight on Channel 9 News. Uh, when I, I want to know a little bit about the grammar of, uh, of presenting a story uh, visually. And when you have a shot of, say, a man being seen through a window, and that shot is then slowed down, so it's shown in slow-mo through the edit, Yeah, uh, does that insinuate that the man is guilty? Like, is, is that is that supposed to insinuate that the man is guilty in our minds? No. No. Well, uh, not in my experience and not in newsrooms. Would... Uh, whether, or not, whether or not other shows might use that device for that reason um, is a possibility. I think generally you see more of that when uh, it's difficult to get footage of somebody and so they've got a certain amount of time that they have to fill with footage. Right. That's, like that's, like when they're, right, they're walking right. between the, the courts and the the, uh, the armoured car to take them back off to prison. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say. The only time I've ever seen it used in, in a newsroom context, and the, certainly the only time I've ever used it in any of my stories, is um, quite simply that that's the case. It's, it's nothing more um, nasty than this is the only shot we've got of this person, and this is the person the story's about, and the shot runs two seconds, so what are we going to do? And slow it down just just to fill. Right. Because I, 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 that's the way it's always felt to me, as far as uh, they slow it down and that makes us focus on them more and uh, makes them m- makes us think that uh, there's something a little bit more sinister uh, about them. Nerida, how have you found it? It's uh, The only time I've ever really seen that is in... The current affairs programs, like right. the you know the the tabloid kind of stuff. So, right, and, and that I think is generally kind trying to insinuate that somebody is a bit dodgy. Well, that's yeah, that's that's how it felt for me. But but thank you very much for bringing up uh, the current affairs style shows because lastly, James, this is all I have. Uh, Brett, oh, Brett has. Uh, but but I I am, I am going to put your uh, Brett has something. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to put your skills to the test. Yes. Just kind of warming up to to Brett's uh, tirade. Oh, what, good. Whatever he's going to do. Uh, a current affairs love affair with uh, Roberta Williams. Yay. Yes. What is 
what's going on there? Because, okay, first, uh, the first I saw a, a few weeks ago was of uh, Eddie Maguire introducing a story of Roberta Williams uh, talking about home movies that she uh, and her then husband... Carl had shot of of her, Carl, uh, the kids, and uh, Andrew Benji Benjamin uh, on holidays and at the daughter's christening and and things like that. Uh, Today, uh, this is Monday on A a Current Affair, there was a story of uh, Roberta Williams posing for Zoo magazine, which seems to me... Which seems to me to be two things. One, a uh, 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 further morally bankrupt cashing in on uh, on somebody's dodgy past. And two, an ad for Zoo magazine. And also providing <laughs> fodder for today, that, tonight. Really good, right? So, sorry? sorry? Apart from all that, it was really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, apart, apart from all that, it was a... You know what? It was actually a really... A, a little bit of a fun story. Uh, but I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop the the uh, bile coming up in, into my mouth uh, just seeing this woman on my television screen again. Um, well, it's, it's, as you said, it's all a bit of fun, isn't it? There, there are there are those who will argue that um, there's there's no place for that. That Roberta's notorious. That she's a convicted criminal, um, uh, which is certainly correct, but. She's also uh, of interest to the public. She's, um, she, I, mean, I, I think she's an intriguing figure, isn't she? Uh, ooh. Ooh, intriguing. <laughs> you know what? I, I think, I think for, for someone to, be, you know what? I think Mick Gatto is an intriguing figure, but he is uh, he is uh, erudite. He is adamant in in whatever opinion he's giving that day. It might be something different to, to the last week, but uh, you know he he he, he speaks firmly and uh, knows where he's coming from and uh, talks with interest about what he's doing now and what he uh, has not done in the past. Uh, Whereas uh, I find Roberta Williams on television not uh, intriguing or or interesting in any way, just a a little bit pathetic. And and yet the same uh, accusations have been levelled at at Nine and other media organisations for speaking to Mick Gatto for the same reasons, that he's notorious, he has nothing to offer, he's um, uh, become a media figure through having appeared in court on the most serious possible charge, of which he was acquitted, fine print, let me say. Um, how, how is he any different from Roberta just because you think he's a better speaker or more interesting? But he's uh, not showing home videos and, and putting on a bikini for a photo shoot. He's he's only he's oh, only better. Well, all due respect to Mick Gatto, I don't think I'd want to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all uh, 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 as far as wanting to see him on television, I don't. I don't think that uh, Mick Gatto should have these puff pieces done about him. I don't think he should be in the boxing ring on uh, on a, a current affair. I don't think we should have these endless interviews with him. But if they're going to happen, at least it's. Uh, more uh, interesting television. Just just but from a find Roberta in a bikini interesting. <laughs> only, <laughs> only in the sense that I sometimes like to go to the side tents at the circus. <laughs> Come on, Canal, you know you love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, just between you and me, James, I was late getting in today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Look, there are, there are certainly arguments either way. Um, and, and I can kind of see the point of people who, who think that Roberta shouldn't be given that sort of publicity, but well, let's be honest, if people are going to watch it, then <laughs> shows like a current affair in Today Tonight are going to keep running it. Well, that's that's true. And also, I think uh, Media Watch knows that they're going to get some, some ratings out of it as well. I, I don't think they're shying away from it uh, any too quickly either. I think, you might, I think you might find, I suspect, if I had to take a guess, I, 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 I think I'd... I'd I would take the guess that the people, some of the people putting these stories together might be trying to make them as outrageous as possible just to try to draw the ire of media watch for their own personal amusement. I, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Now, now Brett uh, has been waiting oh so patiently, James, mm-hmm. uh, but he's been making notes the whole way through, just <laughs> scribbling like a madman. So uh, I'll, uh, it's, uh, you've been on the phone for, for a long time, and I appreciate that, but... We, we have to we have to finish off with this, whatever it's going to be. James, do you think uh, it's time for National Nine News just to pack it in and, and admit that uh, <laughs> that they're nothing but an, an in-house promo <laughs> avenue? <laughs> after this is this is the, after. The uh, thing about Brett's questions is that they're never in any way loaded questions. <laughs> well, this is I'll after. Just uh, answer, answer the question, Mister Talia. Why won't you answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is out of go the back on. of uh, I know what you're gonna, I know what you're a couple of Sundays ago on. with the, the promoting the, the Wayne Carey story on 60 Minutes and promoting the Chappelle Corby Hidden Truth film that was coming up after that. Um, and then to come back the next night and say, oh, sorry, there was nothing we could do. It was technical difficulties. That's surely crap. Oh, can, can, can I handle this one, James? Can I handle this one? I'll, just, yeah, I'll, crack, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'm going to handle it as well. Don't worry. <laughs> Brett, I think you'll find that Jane McGrath will have her turn coming first in the news <laughs> when there's a special ready about her <laughs> and not before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I don't think we're ever going to see uh, murder and death in Zimbabwe come first if, uh, if this is the way that Channel 9 are going to go. So, so J- James, how did I do? You're seeing, you're seeing a lot of murder and death in Zimbabwe on Channel 7's bulletin. <laughs> Let's, let's not get silly now. Um, listen, I, I, I know this. This, uh, and again, but maybe for people outside of Melbourne, they're not aware of the uh, the fiasco and the ensuing controversy. Um, the oh. day Jane McGrath died, sadly, um, after battling cancer for ten years, uh, it was a Sunday, and. Um, I think her death was announced early that Sunday afternoon. Uh, a story was put together uh, about her and about her death. Uh, effectively, her, her obituary was put together in our Sydney newsroom. On the same day, yes, there was a story about Wayne Carey telling all on 60 Minutes that night and a story about Chappelle Corby um, being taken ill in Bali uh, and at uh, the same time that night we were running the big Chappelle special so it, it looked as though it was merely cross promo um, although there were a couple of genuine news angles in those stories but let's not get into that um, quite simply and I know this sounds like bullshit I know it just sounds like cover up but I'm telling you this is genuinely what happened I, I personally have spoken to a couple of the people involved who are mates uh, particularly the guy who was um who was the uh, senior producer on the bulletin that day. The Jane McGrath story from the time it broke was 
number one in Melbourne's rundown. It would have been foolish to do anything else. It was clearly the story of the day. It was clearly the story everyone would be talking about and would be um, emotionally affected by. To suggest that you wouldn't lead with that story is ludicrous. Now, with all due respect to my colleagues in Sydney, it does occasionally happen that stories run close to the wire. Um, apparently, the story was cut um, with about one minute to spare. Because the Melbourne newsroom does not work on a server system, it needs to be played down on tape. So the decision for the Sydney newsroom, the decision for the Sydney newsroom becomes: Do we play this story to air in Sydney? Or do we play it to the network? And they played it to air in Sydney, and Melbourne got it after that. Right. So, firstly, can I say this is a box cutter scoop? Because this is this is information that not even Media Watch had last week. Yeah, I, I saw the transcripts of, of what Media Watch did last week, and I thought they were really pissy. Well, it's it, now... It's, they completely disregarded the information they'd been given and the denial they were given and and were completely disbelieving of it. Why bother getting a response if you're just going to then hang shit on that response? Well, and this, this to me, brings into question, because I think that's, that is a, a fair and reasonable explanation, and it's a shame, and it's a shame that Channel 9 don't have the, the technology to, to support uh, urgent matters like that, uh, but... Probably more importantly now... Hopefully, to to digress, hopefully that's technology which will now be put in place now that the decision has been made not to move from Willoughby and Richmond, but to upgrade the facilities there. And we'd want to be looking to to, uh, move to the digitisation of news, Mm. the newsrooms, as it were, pretty damn quickly. Well, yes, to, you know, and and keep, keep up with the times. But now it calls into question how much faith can we actually have in Media Watch? (laughs) <laughs> Finally it's, come to that conclusion. <laughs> well, well, it's, you know... How many years did that take? <laughs> I've been... I mean, James, you, you and I have both had uh, arguments over, uh, over over Media Watch for, for many a day. Sometimes I've been supporting it, sometimes you've been supporting it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but the, the fact that they would uh, just report so incorrectly... Well, you know, who's watching The Watchmen is, is now the big question. <laughs> Well, you are. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and lapping it up. But no, I, I think that's that's. It really is. It's a it's a hugely unfortunate thing to occur, especially with that story. It could have been any number of other stories that people wouldn't have been so emotionally attached to, and. Uh, no one would have noticed or cared. It's just very unfortunate it happened with that particular story, and it has to be said, the switchboard melted down, and. Uh, the same thing happened on 3RW in Melbourne the next morning to the point where uh, the news director in Melbourne, Michael Venus, um, went on the Mitchell program to try to explain this and to profusely apologise to the viewers and to, to try to explain that it wasn't a failure of news judgment, it wasn't a desire merely to cross-promote other network programs. Um, it, was, it was just the stuff up. Um, you can't really do any more than that. Well, yeah, and I'm guessing that uh, Neil Mitchell is uh, is not one for letting people have a full answer in the morning either. <laughs> well, he's certainly not going to let you off the hook if he if he thinks you've deliberately stuffed up. Well, yeah, and if uh, yeah, it's a 
it, it, it's a, a sad situation. I'm glad that we've uh, that we've had it explained on on this show. Uh, I, I would have liked for uh, other media outlets to maybe be a bit more f- forgiving, so that we could actually find out what happened. And I think it's also unfair to Hitch, who uh, had to be the the face of it the next day. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and even if it had been his bulletin on the Sunday, uh, he still wouldn't have had anything to do with whether or not the story had made it in time. So, but you know, he's he's the face of it, and he's got to front it, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a shame, James. You, you've been on the phone for a very long time. I, I appreciate you taking the, uh, the the extra time with us today. That's no trouble at all. <laughs> I feel like I've been rambling on. You'll have to edit it, Brett. Cut it out. Just cut everything out. <laughs> you know, there's no editing on this show. None. No, God, no. None, Never. Jones. Thanks so much for, for calling in, and uh, and we will speak to you in uh, probably about four weeks. You will. Pleasure. Take care, guys. Thanks, James. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. After that lengthy discussion with James, we're, we're now... Pro- and, and can I just point out, that wasn't a Dorothy Dixit. Your last question? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, he had no idea that was coming. No idea. No idea at all that was coming, uh, but he handled it very well. He did. I, I, I was convinced. Yeah, so was I. Mm. So was I. And I shed a little bit of a tear. It was sad for everyone. Uh, the uh, d- doesn't leave us very much time to cover the rest of the show, but children's television, Press Gang, is uh, one of the shows that I did race home for to, uh, to watch Every afternoon on the ABC. It's a UK show created by Bill and Stephen Moffat, a father and son team. Bill Moffat did a lot of British television and, and Stephen Moffat had done none and this was his first foray into it. King of the Hill back in the 70s of Bathurst? Uh, no. That's someone else, Alan Moffat. Alan Moffat. Uh, thank you. It's... What is that noise? <laughs> it's a spring. Oh, I thought there was a, a Harley Davidson coming up behind me. It was crazy. Uh, mm. Press Gang was a, about a, a group of school kids who created a junior version of their local newspaper. The Daily Mirror with the page three titty girls. No. No? No. It was the... Sorry, uh, I haven't seen it, so I'm... This is my first day. Uh, oh, you haven't, you haven't seen it? No. Well, stop interrupting! <laughs> I'm just trying to help. <laughs> uh, Linda was the editor, the hard-nosed go-getter. Linda Day. Linda Day wanted journalism. Ooh. She wanted it hard. She wanted it so bad. She really did. However, what was given to her were the dregs of the school system... Basically, kids that could not be controlled in class were always getting into trouble, kind of as punishment, were put onto this junior gazette. Their last chance, basically, to stay yes. at school. Otherwise, they would have got expelled. And, uh, and so they go and do it, and they don't really want to be involved in the newspaper. They really just want to uh, cause trouble. Specifically, Spike. <gasps> Spike! Oh, Merida, you're getting a little bit fluttery <laughs> over Spike. You got a little bit of a Dexter Fletcher going on there. Oh yeah, oh, I did at the time, definitely, right. definitely. Right, and then what? What about later on when in uh, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, he pulls out his uh, array of knives? Did you? Uh, <laughs> did you ha- have a little bit of a oh Spike at that moment as well? Well, yeah, but I was 
I'd forgotten that because it had been a long time since I'd seen Press Gang at that stage. And I, for some reason in my head, I thought that the accent in Press Gang was genuine. Because he, for, for an English boy, gave a very convincing American accent. Spike was an American student. And so he was always referred to as the American with as much disdain as, as you could aman- imagine, especially from, from Linda. Yeah. Oh, you're the American. Uh, Spike and, uh, and Linda end up having a great uh, David Addison, Maddie Hayes kind of relationship. Very much so, yeah. Uh, a, a little bit of a, a will they, won't they. They're uh, at each other's throats as often as they're helping each other out. They really care for each other but can't get along. Uh, a great relationship for a kids' TV show. I mean, it's really extraordinary to have that much uh, nuance in a, a children's TV show relationship. And... Uh, that was really the, the the basis for the show. I mean, yes, they ran the newspaper. They did did a bit of journalism. Uh, it was the it was the show that made me want to get into journalism. Well, they never treated them like kids, and that's the thing. It and was how old were they? They, they were, were well, 15, 16. 16, yeah. And it was kids acting like adults in the same way that when I was. 14, 15, 16, I wanted to... Thought you knew it all. Yeah, I wanted to act like an adult. And I wanted to go out there and find stories. And I wanted to be part of the Junior Gazette. I mean, this, it was a fun place to work. And it was a workplace... We never really saw them in class very often. No. We... Uh, really? Very, very real. I think there's, there's one episode where Adrian Edmondson plays a teacher. Yes. And... Uh, I, Simon I, Knowles. And, oh, good work. <laughs> Good work. And uh, I, I uh, interviewed uh, Adrian Edmondson a, a few years ago and got to ask him about uh, that episode and he, he said it was a, a very fun thing to do. He really just did it as a, a favour, but apparently lots of people ask him about it. It's uh, because it was a really popular show. If you think about other UK uh, kids' TV shows, things like Grange Hill, that had the soap opera but didn't really have any of the, the compulsion for uh, aspirational kids, I, I suppose. Press Gang brought all of that together. It had, the, it had the soap opera, but it had the careerist desire as well, which a, a lot of kids, a, a, me and, and a, a lot of my friends, and especially a lot of my friends who I then went and worked with at uh, university newspapers, were all Press Gang fans. Mm. Really, really loved it. They're are uh, episodes, again, much like Degrassi, which we spoke about last week, episodes that uh, concentrate on uh, big issues like suicide, mm. glue sniffing or, or paint thinner sniffing. Pa- yeah, paint, yeah, paint uh, sniffing, yeah. And, uh, but, but One of the first episodes on television that dealt with the internet. Yes. Um, child abuse. A whole lot of, of major suicide, issues. The suicide one was really early on too. And really Drug abuse. dark. Yeah. The su- oh, yeah. And the suicide one was also a great bit of uh, dramatic device that we didn't get to see a lot of in our afternoon television screen. It was really – they really took a long time to look at the drama and this is because we had people like Bill and Stephen Moffat in charge of it who loved television and wanted to make television. Mm-hmm. They loved the concept and wanted to make good television about this concept. And I think what – I don't know about for you, Narita, but one of the biggest 
pluses for me with Press Gang was it wasn't in any way for a second condescending. No, not at all. Not at all. And that makes a huge difference when, when you're looking at young adult programming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, it, like, like we said, talking to, to young adults as if they were adults. Uh, there are so many characters to, to talk about and not enough time to go through them all because they all have their great, uh, they're just perfect uh, characters and, and characteristics. Uh, there's the the guy whose job it is to get the ads for the Junior Gazette, oh, who is <laughs> a mover and a shaker. He tries everything that he can do to get money. He loves money. He's in love with money. And uh, he's in charge of, of getting the advertising. And it's, again... His relationship with Spike, his relationship with Linda, uh, his relationship with the deputy editor, whose name I've just Kenny. forgotten. Oh, Kenny. Kenny, who has this beautiful romance with someone who from Australia who keeps calling the wrong number. Ireland. Oh, from Ireland? Yeah. But he end up, ends up going, going and living in Australia, which I think was the press gang equivalent of Neighbours Cast going and living in Queensland. Well, I think he actually, the, the, the actor Lee Ross actually had a bit of a music career at that point. Oh, really? Because that was introduced into the series yes, around about in the series two or three or something. Yeah, and then yeah. and then he left. He left. Uh, but And the, then the, the graphics, the person who'd been in charge of graphics, who'd gone off and I can't remember what she did. I think she went to work for a magazine or something like that. Kelly, then came back. Kelly yeah, Head Girl. Yeah. Um, I always think of her as Lisa from EastEnders. Right. <laughs> so many of those actors in that series um, continued on in television, in, well, in UK television. Linda Day is uh, played what? by Julia Sawalha. Yeah. Who uh, went on to be uh, in... Safi. Yeah, Safi in, in Absolutely oh, Fabulous. Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing to, to go from being... Uh, teenage female heartthrob uh, in, in Press Gang where I had the biggest crush on Linda Day, especially when she started power dressing. I don't know. Take from that what you will. To then being all frumped up in, uh, in Absolutely Fabulous and, and trying to look as... Dowdy. As dowdy as possible. As just as le- least attractive as possible. Mm. And... Uh, Extraordinary range of talent. Dexter Fletcher, who uh, shortly after Press Gang uh, made the film The Rachel Papers, uh, based on the Martin Amos book, and uh, and then uh, has had a, a movie career, bits and pieces, but uh, nothing really as big as his role on, on Press Gang. And mm-hmm. I think, t- to a large extent, he probably would have uh, been a little bit typecast mm. uh, on, on Press Gang because his character was so huge. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people have gone on to do to do other things from Press Gang, a great breeding ground for young talent and a really great television series. Even even if you are an adult now and you want to watch a great television series, Press Gang is available on DVD. You can buy the entire series in one box. Yeah, it's a bit did crappy. It, did it just? Oh, sorry, the the, 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 the packaging. The packaging is very crappy. The packaging is is very crappy. How but, long did it run for? Uh, it ran for 43 episodes uh, from... 89 uh, to 92? I think so. I think uh, 89 to 93. 93. Uh, and 43 episodes. So there's a, First a lot two series, I think, were about 12 or 13 episodes each, and then the last three were... Were six? Six, 
and, or eight or something like that. Uh, that right? And the um, yeah, the the last episode of Press Gang was shown to uh, my kids' TV writing class uh, when I was at RIT learning screenwriting as how to write excellent children's television, and this is a gut puncher. When it was you, great. It took it right back to the beginning as well. Yeah, took it, yeah, to yeah, and uh, and just. And, you know, if you sit down and watch all 43 episodes, you will be crying at the last episode. It is it's extraordinary television. I can't talk about Press Gang highly enough. You can get it on DVD. It's good for you. It is. Okay, question three. Which can I... All these going to be about war. No. i got loads of... i got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Fox. Thanks very much to Crumpler, who give us bags to give to listeners. That's what they do. In exchange, though, Brett, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in exchange for that, a listener has to answer a question correctly. We're not just giving them away willy-nilly. No. have got to make some effort. And if your name is willy-nilly, then maybe you can get one. But uh, that's only because we'll take pity on you, because that's what a sad name. <laughs> willy-nilly. <laughs> I'm just doing this willy-nilly. What? <laughs> Someone call me? What? I'm so sorry, Willie. Anyway, you change your name to Billy, at least, (laughs) if that was the case. So, you have to answer a question. You do that by emailing us, hooray at boxcutters.net, or sending us the answer through the Contact Us link on the boxcutters.net homepage. That's how you do it. You must answer this question. You must answer it by 4 p.m., Next Monday, the 13th? 14th? 14th. 14th? 14th. 14th. By 4pm next Monday, the 14th of July. That's, you know what? One day I'm going to bring a calendar in <laughs> and just and <laughs> nah. have that information at hand, or at least look it up beforehand. Is that, but then, is that actually Bastille Day? Season? It is Bastille Day. There you go. And a uh, happy 4th of July to all our... It's past that. It's past 4th of July. We missed that. We missed Canada Day. But we'll make it for Bastille Day. I didn't miss Canadian Day. (gasps) Maybe our resident baker could make croissants for Bastille Day. Ooh. Maybe. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Pan au chocolat. Ooh. (laughs) Pan au chocolat I'd love. So your quiz question this week is how much do I love pan au chocolat? (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) How good is that? Oh, the chocolate feeling. Oh, have you ever had pan chocolate straight out of the bakery mm. when it's the, the chocolate's still hot and, oh, it's all drippy. I love it. Anyway, hi. Quiz. <laughs> I've that gone, wasn't really the question. I've gone off on a pan chocolate tangent. <laughs> Don't bring it up with me. I just can't control myself. Uh, the quiz question this week, which you must answer in order to win a wonderful bag from the good people at Crumpler, is... In the TV series Family Ties, Tom Hanks plays Elise Keaton's brother, Ed, known to the kids as Uncle Ed. In one of his two episodes, he has... Now, the thing thing about Uncle Ed was he always had a problem. In one episode, he was embezzling and on the run from the law. In another episode... (laughs) He's an alcoholic. In the middle of the night, he comes into the kitchen. Alex is in the kitchen. 
Ed is looking for something to drink, finds something in the cupboard. What is it that he drinks? That's my question for the quiz. It's a toughie. You really need to know the episode. Mm. You really need to know your family ties. What does Uncle Ed, played by Tom Hanks in Family Ties, drink in the kitchen with Alex there as a witness? Send us your answers to hooray at boxcutters.net or, as I said before, click on the Contact Us link by 4pm next Monday the 14th of July and you might win yourself a crumpler bag. And as always, if the question's too hard, if we don't get any correct answers in, then it will roll over to the next week. Mm-hmm. But do some research, try to get try to get some work in and send your entries in, even if it's not correct uh, or you're not sure or whatever. Don't be scared to send it in. Send it in. Give it a go. You never know. Hey, um, when I cast my pod... It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Because, you know, Nerida, a lot of people have been writing in saying, oh, the questions you come up with, Josh, too easy. Too easy. Well, hard one. Yeah, it's good to have something to work on. Yeah. Something yeah. you shouldn't be able to look up on with your Well, and that's, that's what I was thinking of. You know, I was thinking... Yep. Uh, I've been a big fan of the, uh, of the Uncle Ed episodes of, of Family Ties for a long time. And, uh, because that was back when Tom Hanks was kind of cool and doing Big. Uh, before, before Big. Was it before Big? It was, it was before Big. It was uh, after Bosom Buddies and after... Uh, it was around the time of Bachelor Party. But it was, yeah, after, after Bosom Buddies, but before Big, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, and so he was, a, he was a bit of a star, but not a huge star. He wasn't Castaway Tom Hanks. He wasn't Apollo 13 Tom Hanks. He was just, you know, television with a little bit of uh, side project movie action and, uh, and did some great roles. It was actually the first time I'd seen Tom Hanks in a, a proper dramatic role and just really impressive so those episodes are worth seeing anyway uh but i've got a thousand family ties questions uh, <laughs> up my sleeve so uh you know there'll uh, there'll be lots more of that in in the quiz to come but pork wise mm. channel nine are bringing back ladder to lady repeating the episodes uh, the the series that they showed back in 2005 why it's such a repulsive freaking series that that they they're sending these ladettes um you know just young chicks having a good time off to to learn to be taught how to be like just these most stuck up bits. princesses yeah and and like i don't i don't see why anybody in the uk aspires to be like them they're Chavs. just so horrible Chavs. i just yeah i don't get there's another show that's similar to that where they're taking men through like military training or something oh, like that, that had one episode it's been axed. oh it's, it's gone yeah, yeah uh lad's army or <laughs> oh yeah that's mm, terrible they're currently somebody's currently are they screening old eps of let it to lady on um foxtel at the moment uh, I'm, possibly, I'm, sh- I'm sure I saw it. It's the it, title of it is a skimming past last night. They do love to show old eps of whatever you've got <laughs> on true. Foxtel. They're true. mad for that. 
Matter of fact, you used to have Foxtel. You s- well, I still have Foxtel, but don't have don't have IQ anymore. Oh. and oh. a number of yeah, a number of channels that we don't don't have. Sort what of is that? Downgraded. How, Moved house. How are you coping with the with that, especially with the lack of IQ? I mean, that that lack would drive IQ, me nuts. Um, my television viewing has decreased. Right. Don't you get addicted to that little beeping from it? Beeping? What yeah. beeping? Doesn't it beep when you... No. No. No? <laughs> what? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. I thought it did. I'm sure. My IQ does not beep. No way. That no. would be very annoying if it yeah. did. Maybe you're thinking of the uh, new TiVo. <laughs> They've taken away a lot of functionality but added a beep. <laughs> now with extra beeps. Mm, for for tens of dollars a month, <laughs> you can get beeps. Uh, Brett, before I say, uh, and that's it for this week's uh, episode of uh, of Box Cutters, and you go, what? Talking of repulsive uh, so TV shows. Go with your pork. Battle of the Choirs is so horrible. I, I can't even go there anymore. That's, that's, David, he's <laughs> not a, a, Why did they put him on? What a terrible host. Oh, mm. it's, it's like he's never spoken in front of an audience before. And he's hunchy, and he stares down into the camera, and he's he's trying to be excited about it. But really, you can tell that he doesn't give a crap about <laughs> choirs. The choirs are doing horrible songs. The yeah. judges... Well, not only the... Why don't the judges say, that was an appalling performance, I can't believe you even put us through that, when they actually have appalling performances? But there's also the mandatory stupid moves and dances that they make them do to it. I, Which, I, I used to be in choirs, and we never freaking jumped around like that. Well, okay, two things. Firstly, I saw the Australian Girls Choir uh, in Melbourne a few weeks ago and they were doing some of that stuff. They they had one purely choral piece and one piece with a, a little bit of choreography. Or as that horrible girl from I, High Five says on, uh, on, on choralography. <laughs> <laughs> She's, this, this girl from High Five is a judge on, uh, on, on choir singers. And, <laughs> That's easy. And, there, and, and she says, she talks about the dance moves that they do as choreography. Choreography. She's trying yeah. to coin phrases. Well, there is the, there is the, the um, term in ballet. So maybe she's just getting a little confused. The, there is a, there's a choreographer and there is a choreologer. There's choreology, and that's actually that would about be the, the study of what, the movement, or yeah, but it's also about scripting the dance. There's a particular way of scripting it, like writing it. I don't think she's getting confused. <laughs> I think she's just trying to make up a word that already means choreography. <laughs> she's trying to be a little bit clever, which might work for the three and four year olds, but I'm not buying choreography. There's nothing good about that show, no. and yet it's still doing quite well, but probably not as well as the grand final this week. How excited were you last night? Gladiators. <laughs> oh, what a great episode. And, and you know what? When they had... I, I was trying to work out why no one I know likes this show and, uh, and why I love it so much. I, I think it's because I get excited as if I was... Like a ten-year-old boy, it it really it's just got all that kind of crassness, but uh, but pizzazz that you want from uh, fake sports on on television. <laughs> and there was a moment in the grand final where they had a shot of a, a few kids in the crowd, and they were getting into it. These were like seven, eight, nine-year-olds who were just 
getting into it. When Tank came on, they saluted and said, Sir, yes, sir. And they did it with so much vigor, so much excitement that I went, Well, that's, you know, that's, that's really where the show aims at, and that's where it does really well. But it's such a fun show to watch. And, uh, and the grand final was, uh, was some great competition. I have to say. So how did they? I missed it. How did they sign off? Did they? Did they go with the? It's going to be big again. Talking about. They said, "It's going to be bigger." Ooh. <laughs> I, you know, I'm quite happy for it to be just as big as it was this year. It, mm-hmm. It's it's a really fun show. I really enjoy Gladiators. Uh, I've spoken about it quite a bit, and uh, and the grand final was a. A great. I didn't even because I, I I recorded onto the the hard drive recorder, and uh, and then start watching it about fifteen minutes before it finishes, so that I can fast forward through all of the interview bits. Because uh. I just like to watch the challenges. It's the same with the yeah. w- with Survivor. I don't really care for all the political machinations that go on in Survivor. I just want to see the challenges and the voting. Do you do the same the, thing with Amazing Race? God no. Amazing Race, it's all the way through. Really? Yeah. I okay. don't fast forward any I've, of Amazing Race. I've been race. trying to get onto it uh, as Charles Seven have been screening it. And you can't I'm get into it? That, I'm not as as uh, attracted to it as you and Ross are. You're, I'd, you are Robinson Crusoe on that. There's, <laughs> I don't, you're the only person I know who has watched Amazing Race and just hasn't gotten into it. Yeah. It's well, because it's, you're a it's freak okay, of nature. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kent and Vixen and... You know what? It's it's not a great series to start with. You've got to start with an earlier series, I think. You've got to... Uh, you've got to have the emotional investment in the race itself so that when you can see people not really pulling their weight on the race, people kind of chucking, oh, I don't really feel like doing this or doing it in a half-hearted attempt, not really taking the race as seriously as it needs to be taken. <laughs> It's a very serious business. It is a very serious business. So I look forward to uh, to Gladiators uh, next year. But yeah, I, I usually fast forward through it, and I didn't fast forward through it uh, in uh, last Sunday's episode because the whole thing just, was exciting. Just too good. It was just too good. <laughs> it's great television. I love it. And how, long, that, how long was the series, by the way? Sorry. Uh, I don't know. It's about 12 weeks. 12, 13 weeks. Okay. Uh, they... Uh, had a, a series of... Well, I could probably work it out. Uh, they had uh, 16 contestants. So that's eight episodes, then four episodes, uh, then two episodes, then one episode. So... Fifteen. Fifteen. Also, if if you were like me and uh, had, hadn't heard Doctor Who's back on Sunday nights... Yep. New episodes. Um, I missed the, the Titanic the Christmas special. Started last week. Started last week, I had did the it? Christmas special oh, the Christmas on last special week. was on last week. I didn't. I missed that. Yeah. Well, well I'd seen it, but yeah. Stephen so, Moffat, who uh, who co-created, uh, yes, Press Gang, is uh, at the helm of uh, of Doctor Who now. Oh, is, is he now? really? Yeah, he's uh, he's taken over. Russell T Davies wrote uh, the first episode of the fourth series. <laughs> <laughs> so not a fan of his. Uh, no, uh, but yeah. his his, uh, his but, retirement was announced uh, some months ago. Yes, I'm and sure. Stephen, Stephen Moffat's taking over. What's the um? What's the face gardener? Nadine. Ava. No, gardener. The woman Nad- who was um, involved with it. I've forgotten. I her don't. Name. I don't know because I'm also not. So it's Russell T Davies and the and 
what's her name? Gardner. Yeah, the producer. Yeah. It's Martha. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Ma- Martha Gardner. <laughs> That's it. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 139. I want to say thanks to Crumpler, who are our giveaway sponsors. You can catch them on the web at crumpler.com.au. I also want to say thanks to 3 R, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week, except for last week when we didn't. Mm. They're fantastic, though. Why are they, why are they so great, Narita? <laughs> why are they so great? They're just, it's a, it's a fantastic station, yes. Um, the uh, Probably the best independent station in Australia. Well, and it is an independent station. It gets no government funding. That's and right. uh, it is uh, mostly uh, all volunteers. Just about. Uh, there's Just about all volunteers. Very, very few people who, who actually get paid and, uh, and almost no one announces. I would go another step and say the best in- independent station in the world. In the world. In the in universe. The well, well <laughs> we, we haven't explored that far, but definitely they found, in the world. They found ice on Mars, and there's a community station just around the corner, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and I say that literally. Literally. Lit- best, the best community station in the world. Yeah. Or... In, in radio, full stop. Anyway, you can, uh, <laughs> if you want to know more about them, rrr.org.au. I want to thank very much... Nerida Haycock for joining us in Ross's seat, keeping it warm for him while he's looking after his baby. Thanks for having me. Come back, Ross. <laughs> oh, well, you didn't like it. You didn't like <laughs> no, it here. No, his, oh, But Ross, he's missed. He he's is missed. He is missed. I keep I keep telling him that, and he's going, oh, oh no. He's, you know what? Send send us emails, hooray at boxcutters.net, telling us how much you miss Ross, because uh, it sure it'll make me feel shit. But... Uh, <laughs> It'll make him feel really good, and uh, and hopefully we can get him back sooner. Uh, yeah. Maybe uh, we can have a nanny fund for him. <laughs> Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Nerida Haycock. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.